0: Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. Jonas Esposito, all ready for this? On WCPT 820.
1: Hi, thanks for joining me this Friday, December 22nd. This is going to be my last broadcast of 2023. Um, obviously next week is the holiday, but, um, I'm probably not going to be back until January 8th. I'm going to be taking a week off and then I'm having some minor outpatient surgery that I need to recover from. And, um, so I will probably see you next January 8th. We're going to do something a little bit different, uh, throughout the year. There have been things that happened and things people said and things that I've saved and recorded that either I didn't have time to get to or maybe they were a little on the long side, so I sort of held off. I am not having any guests today. This entire day is just going to be you and me. I am going to play for you uh, some of the different sound bites that have to do some of it is fun. Uh, But a lot of it has to do with stories from this last year. And uh, we are going to be uh, talking about all of this because we are going to have the phone lines open for conversation all day today. I'm going to do the Stephanie Miller giveaway right now um, so that we don't have to confuse Paul Shavari back at the studio as to what is about what. So right now, right here, this is our last day to give away two free tickets to Stephanie's show in August. So uh, let's get to it. If you are the third caller, 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278, we're going to give you two tickets to see Stephanie Miller and her sexy liberal comedy show live here in Chicago, Vic Theater. 8 p.m. Saturday, August 17th. That's when she's in town for the Democratic National Convention. And she is going to bring all of her friends, Fugel and Hal Sparks. And uh, they are going to put on their sexy liberal comedy show. It is going to be on a Saturday, August 17th, 8 p.m. at the Vic Theater. If you're the third caller, 773-763-9278. You can get two free tickets. Uh, if you uh, don't, do the free tickets. You can go to her website, sexyliberal.com slash tour, and you can pick up uh, as many tickets as you want. But, you know, they make a great holiday presents. Our contests are open to you as long as you're 18 years of age or older, live in the greater Chicagoland, northwest Indiana area. One entry per person, one winner per household, void where prohibited by law. Listeners may only win or qualify to win once every 30 days. Complete rules are on our website. That is WCPT820.com. Click on the contest tab. Okay, while Paul is busy giving away two free tickets, we are going to get started on our day. I'm sure you heard the breaking news. You know, Jack Smith who is um, going after Donald Trump in D.C. on the insurrection charges. Jack Smith and his lawyers filed a brief with uh, requesting that the U.S. Supreme Court just jump in and decide this question that Donald Trump keeps raising of whether or not as president he had immunity to basically. Basically, his argument is while I was president, I could do anything. Yes, I know. Richard Nixon broke the law while he was president and ended up resigning for it because he was about to be kicked to the curb. But Donald Trump's theory is a little bit different. Donald Trump's theory is almost kind of like um, like he's a czar or a dictator that as long as he's in office, he can do anything. He can break any law. He can do anything he wants to. And because he's president, he gets a free pass. That's his argument. It's going to end up before the Supreme Court. So Jack Smith filed a brief and was like, guys, just decide this right now. Let's just get it out of the way. And who knows what they would have done. But within about 24 hours, (sighs) Donald Trump had his lawyers make the statement. Oh, we don't want you to do that, Supreme Court. Don't do that. Let the process play out. Let let the legal system play out. In other words, give my client more time to stall and drag this out. Donald Trump is desperate that this trial not take place till after the election. So today the Supreme Court said, "Okay, yeah, you know what? We're not going to hear it. You know, just let the we'll let the system go. Now, what does that mean? How much of a delay? The experts are in disagreement about this. Because now the appeal will go to the D.C. Circuit Court. But people who are familiar with the D.C. Circuit Court say that it has a tendency to move very quickly. So January 9th, the D.C. Circuit Court are going to hear the arguments Donald Trump is making about immunity. But will they take I I think the maximum amount of time they can take, I heard one expert say, was 90 days to make a decision. But a lot of the people who follow the D.C. Circuit Court say that they move really fast. And even if they hear the arguments January 9th, it would not at all be surprising if there was a decision before the end of January. And if that's the case, uh, it will not be a huge delay for Jack Smith. Some experts are saying, oh, you know, you're being too optimistic. You can't expect that kind of speed on an issue like this. Well, we'll see, won't we? We'll see. Uh, but the D.C. Circuit Court is going to hear these arguments January 9th. They will give us their answer when they feel like it. But they are known for quick turnaround. And uh, let's hope that we get one on this case. Jack Smith said, you know, we really need a decision from you, Supreme Court. But Donald Trump's lawyers say everybody knows that Jack Smith was doing this because he wanted this trial to take place before the election. But instead of saying that when he went before the Supreme Court, he gave just sort of like general statements like, oh, you know, we need a speedy trial. This this is in the interest of jurisprudence and justice. And they said Donald Trump's lawyers argued, you know, Jack Smith didn't give you any particular reason, any specific reason why this decision has to be made by you right now. And they know that Jack Smith, what he's trying to do, that he's trying to get, This trial underway before the election, but basically because he didn't say that in his brief to the Supreme Court that, oh, by the way, the people of this country need to have a decision on this before they know who to vote for president. They need to know this before they go to the polls. And they sort of used that against him. Um, The Supreme Court. Especially Clarence Thomas, have proven themselves to be not all the time, but most of the time. On Donald Trump's side, Uh, maybe uh, that's what this is about. Maybe they just felt that they didn't want to cut the legs off of the D.C. Circuit Court. But if the D.C. Circuit Court rules emphatically on this, it's going to put a little more pressure on the Supreme Court to follow suit. Not that they necessarily will. But if the D.C. Circuit Court says Donald Trump is he may have been president, but he was still a regular person capable of breaking laws and needs to be held to account because, you know, like nobody is above the law. Hello. And the Supreme Court then turns against that. It's just going to be another bit of ammunition that people have saying this court can't be trusted. The court is corrupt. And the court needs to be reformed. So if they're, I know they want to do what their Lord and master wants them to do. But they had better be careful. Because in 2024, if we have a solid majority in Congress and a solid majority in the Senate, and we have a Democrat in the White House, they are going to see court reform reform. And it is the outrageous things that they do that is going to keep the public so inflamed that forget about what Biden wants. People like you and me are going to be getting in touch with our Congress people and our senators. And we're going to say, what are you going to do about this Supreme Court? They're crooked. They're partisan. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Maybe we'll see the court expanded. Maybe we we will see term limits. But whatever it is, I promise you, the Supreme Court as it exists now doesn't want any of it. So we'll see. We'll see. But if they screw us over on this, then um, they will face consequences. We are going to take a break, and we are going to start uh, playing some of these uh, sound bites, talking about some of these topics. We are taking calls all day today, all day till the end of the show, 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. We're going to get started right after this.
0: Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820.
1: All righty. This Friday, the last Friday that I am joining you in 2023, we are going to keep the phone lines open all show long. You are my guests today, and I am going to be sharing with you. Many, many, many sound clips that I have been saving, some of them for months and months, on just t- all kinds of topics that I thought were really, really important. Uh, let's go to the phone lines right now. Jim's calling in from Chicago. Hello, Jim.
2: Hi, Joan, and Happy New Year. I think it'll be a Democratic year, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Yes, yes, yes. uh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Anyway, Diana Hill got me started. I I watched uh, her and Anna for today. And I was thinking how our country strength is democracy, but our adversaries, their people are in power for 10, 20 years. So they know that, and they know our turnover here. And the propaganda on the Internet is, is going to be intense this year. And how important our diplomats are that we have career diplomats that are of the first degree because they keep our uh, the continuity going, even, you know, no matter who's elected. Yeah. But I know, I know that Trump tried to hollow it out when he did it. I, I don't want to blame everything on the lunatic. But my point is how how important it is, though, to uh, keep a, a solid diplomatic core to keep uh, our interest because putin is running around the world now he's over he's in saudi arabia yeah uh, conspiring conspiring with those guys those are murderers there he's a murderer they must get along famously there uh and uh china has no interest in us uh being uh you know uh number one on the stage. No. So we have to be very, we have to be very, very careful about... Uh, somebody's got to... We need our intelligence to... Uh, the trouble is, the voter today, they're so influenced by the Internet that they can sneak in some of this propaganda, and I don't think they can discern what's propaganda and what's uh, not propaganda. And That's the problem, might... Jim,
1: too, along those lines is, uh, what I've seen some people do is... They'll wait and release misinformation right like a week or so before an election. Um, and oftentimes, especially when it's one candidate going after another, there isn't time for the person or the organization being attacked to be able to get out a response and a denial. So that's another thing that people should be aware of. Right before the election, there will probably be a flood of information, disinformation, and misinformation, and it is sometimes impossible to know one from the other because they they okay, do okay. it because they yeah. think that you know this is great. Nobody will have a chance to refute us.
2: But but you know what kills me, Joan, is the Republicans. are willing some of the Republicans, not all of them, but the Repub- some of the Republicans want to take. Well, you, they think that they can win, even if it's misinformation from uh, our, our mortal enemy in, in, in Russia. That's what really bothers
1: me. Yeah. That they, when that did they we become uh, a Russian-loving country? When did the Republican Party uh, go from being the enemy of Russia, which it was under Reagan, and go from that to embracing Russia and saying that we admire him and how smart Putin is? That oh, is, know. Oh, you know, Reagan is spinning so fast in his grave. You can't even really recognize him anymore.
2: <laughs> no, that's for sure. But anyway, Joan, you have a great new year and thanks for taking my call. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, there is also another bit of news, and uh, we're going to do a deeper dive into this, if not now, a little bit later. You know, there's an organization, uh, a social media account that you, I hope, are following And it is a PolitiFact. They are an organization that just fact checks people, you know, the not Democrats, not Republicans, all the people. And uh, they have um, as 2023 ends, they have put out a um, social media post where they are um, crowning the lie of the year or perhaps I should say the liar of the year. And the award goes to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Here's the exact post that they put out. The 2023 lie of the year goes to Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s conspiracy theories during his 2024 campaign. Uh, once in a while, I hear people say that, uh, you know, they really like RFK Jr., but I think that a lot of those people are mistaking him for his father. You know, the Kennedy family are probably the most famous Democratic family this country has ever produced. He is not cut from the same cloth. Um, when... Um, in a few minutes, it's kind of it's kind of long, so I'm I'm going to wait till we come back after the next commercial break to share with you. But um, RFK Jr. did an interview with Casey Hunt. Uh, she's a weekend host on CNN, and you've heard um, people say he's uh, not an anti-vaxxer, and he says that to anybody who listen. No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, even though. He literally was head of the organization that was anti-vax. He was their number one guy. Anyway, one second, Joan, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, There's also the rebuke from his family. This statement was put out on social media by Rory Kennedy, Carrie Kennedy, Joe Kennedy II, and Kathleen Kennedy Townsend. Statement on Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s announcement today. The decision of our brother Bobby to run as a third-party candidate against Joe Biden is dangerous to our country. Bobby might share the same name as our father, but he doesn't share the same values, vision, or judgment. Today's announcement is deeply saddening for us. We denounce his candidacy and believe it to be perilous for our country. That is from his own family. They have rebuked him and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Um, And when asked when Casey Hunt asked him particularly about the fact that, you know, his family was kind of coming out against him, uh, his answer was, well, you know, a a lot of them support Biden and a lot of them work for Biden. so, you know, the just, you know, the fact that I'm going against Biden makes them all mad. Uh, But he said, I come from a big family. You know, there's like over 100 of us, and some of them really, some of them support me. Now, he didn't say who the family members were who supported him of that hundred plus number of Kennedys. He also didn't say how many that he could describe as supporting him. But, you know, the ones who came out against me, well, they just they work. They're on the Biden payroll. Kind of what else would you expect him to say? You know, he's really interesting because he spreads as much misinformation as Donald Trump does. But instead of being ridiculous and bombastic, RFK Jr. can suck you in because he sits there and does these interviews. And he never I mean, he's got that weird voice anyway, but he never shouts. He never bangs the table. He never says anything like, you know, immigrants are vermin. Um, and he looks at you so reasonably. But in this interview with Casey Hunt, she really talked to him about vaccines. And whenever anybody tries to hold his feet to the fire and even play sound bites of what he's said before, he's always like, well, you got to play the whole sound bite. You know, that you just can't pick and choose. So what I'm going to do when we come back is I'm going to play the entire four something minute exchange. And here's what you're going to hear. Casey Hunt says, you know, you're anti-vax. You were anti-vax. Are you still anti-vax? Oh, I'm not anti-vax. Well, yeah, listen to what you said. And he's like, "What?" and, and he'll say, I'm not anti-vax. And then he will explain how he is anti-vax. Like, you know, he's not um, anti-vaccine. Well, do you feel kids should be, we should mandate vaccines for kids? Well, no, no kid should have to take a, a vaccine ever. You know, there shouldn't be any requirements, but I'm not anti-vax. Well, God, you know, your words say that, but your actions belie that. And that's what you're going to hear in this exchange over and over. He looks her in the eye and he says how he's not anti-vax. And then he goes on to illustrate how he is anti-vax. Well, I just don't think these vaccines are safe and I don't think those vaccines are safe. And basically, I don't think any vaccines are safe. But I'm not anti-vax. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, the lie of the year from PolitiFact, the lie of the year for 2023 goes to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, by the way, in addition to anti-vax, he's also a conspiracy nut. He doesn't he thinks the CIA killed uh, President Kennedy. He thinks that uh, Sirhan Sirhan, who was caught on tape shooting his father, but Sirhan Sirhan didn't really do it. Yeah, I know there's tape, but he didn't really do it. I mean, the guy is, and I don't say this lightly, but the guy's a nut job. He truly is a nut job. And when even his wife, the actress Cheryl Hines, had to, when he said something really anti Semitic and she had to put out a statement saying, what my husband said was reprehensible. And when he was asked about that, his answer was, well, you know, like she's an actress and she was getting a lot of grief. So she like she had to put that statement out like it was for self-preservation. Like she didn't really mean it. Oh, the guy's a piece of work. Let's take a break. We're going to get to more sound bites and fun after this.
0: This
1: Friday, which is uh, my last Friday for 2023. We are keeping the phone lines open all day long. And instead of just talking about the happenings of today and this week, the way we usually do each Friday, this Friday, you can go back as far as you want to. Any story that happened this year that had an impact on you, well, that's what we're going to be talking about today today. And as I said at the top of the show, there have been a lot of little sound clips I've been collecting over the months. And either I ran out of time and didn't get to them, or they were maybe a little longer than usual, and I just didn't feel like we had the uh, the air to uh, get them on. We're going to get to all those today. And first and foremost, here we're gonna. I'm. I know the phone lines have lit up. I'm gonna. I'm going to take a call, and then I'm going to share with you the RFK stuff that I was talking about a moment ago. So first, let's go back to the phone lines. Dan is calling in from Schaumburg. Hello, Dan.
3: Happy holidays, Joan.
1: Happy holidays, Listen, Dan. Um,
3: you know, I just was thinking, if Trump is elected, the time period between when he's elected and when he takes office, I wonder how many Americans are going to be lining up at the Canadian border declaring asylum. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I wonder what will happen <laughs> because I do All think those that, Canadians,
1: you know, he, you, know, you got to watch out for them. Yeah. They're, they're just so nice. Well, he,
3: well, Trump has made it very clear that he's going to go after the people who, who opposed him. Mm-hmm.
4: And, um, you know,
3: I, if I, especially I think like people like, uh, you know, it's like people in the, national media who, who've been opposed to him, I would be a little afraid. But, but what I want well, to say said
1: was, He's already said if he becomes president again, he is going to use the Department of Justice and the attorneys there as his weapon for revenge and retribution. And one of the first things he wants to do is he wants those DOJ attorneys to charge NBC and MSNBC with yeah. treason. Yep.
3: And if the Supreme Court rules his way on this case, when it finally gets there, that he's immune, there's nothing to stop him from doing anything.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's. <laughs> but Joan, I, sw- I, I hope I, to God they mean, don't. They don't go there. That is going to be so oh, dangerous.
3: Oh. but what I wanted to say is that before I hang up, is that you know, I was, I just see, I never can get beyond the hypocrisy and double standards of people on the far on the right. I was watching this debate on some clip of Bill O'Reilly and Geraldo Rivera were debating. And of course, Geraldo was standing up for the immigrants. But Bill O'Reilly was getting very loud and very angry, and he kept saying, they broke the law! They broke the law! They broke the law! And, Joan, I just sat there, and I'm sorry for saying this, but I was, all I could think of is you, SOB, you could care less if Trump breaks the law.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: But hmm the, yes. the hypocrisy is just... And the religious hypocrisy is just... I mean, I don't know how you even talk to how you deal with people like this. You can't help them.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and let's not forget all the millions. And I mean, millions of dollars that Fox cable paid out to settle sexual harassment claims against mm. Bill O'Reilly when he was one of their hosts. Millions of mm. dollars. I mean, even one of the women who was like, you know, a contributor, she was like a a lawyer. And, you know, lawyers, when they're tapped to be on cable news, you know, a lot of them hope that they can be interesting enough and controversial enough that they're brought on full time as a contributor, because that's a really sweet deal. And this woman was, she was somebody who was on cable news from time to time, but she wasn't a full-fledged contributor. And uh, she met Bill uh, Bill Riley at a hotel bar, and they were talking about, you know, her contributions. And he looked at her, and he was like, you know, let's continue this up in my room. And she was like, no, I'm not going to your room. And he was like, oh, come on, let's just, it'll be more comfortable. And she's like, Bill, I'm not going to your room. And you know what? Not only did she not get a contract... As a full-time contributor, she was never asked back to his show again. Imagine that.
3: What was Bill O'Reilly's book called? It was a big seller a few years ago. Oh, he and some guy do a whole you. series of yeah. books.
1: I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. But, yeah,
3: But he's looking out for us, according to Bill O'Reilly. Is he?
1: George, Is he? Bill O'Reilly no, has never looked there for George. anybody but himself. Thank you, by the way, Dan. Thank you for the call and have a happy holiday. Before we get uh, too much further afield, I want to um, wind up my RFK Jr. segment. Remember I told you that the organization PolitiFact that checks the speeches and, and statements of all Democrats and Republicans – PolitiFact gave their lie of the year to RFK Jr. because they say all of the misinformation and conspiracy theories that he, oh, so reasonably, just just trying to make you understand, you know, you're so stupid if you would just listen to me, that he, oh, so reasonably puts out every interview after every interview, He did a 20-minute interview. You can see the whole thing on social media, if you are so inclined. A 20-minute interview with Casey Hunt, who is a weekend host at CNN. And about four and a half minutes of it was spent on this whole idea of, you used to be an anti-vaxxer. Are you still an anti-vaxxer? Oh, I was never an anti-vaxxer. Well, listen to this. Yeah, but... And, And watch, with every exchange... He says he's not an anti-vaxxer. He's not against vaccines. And then he goes on to explain how he is against vaccines and doesn't think they're safe. This is one of those things where you really have to listen to the whole thing. I, I He's always saying, too, that people take him out of context. You know, they're twisting his words. That's why I wanted to show you this whole four plus minute exchange because time after time she asks him a question he denies it and then he explains how he is actually for it go ahead listen to this
6: you have gained notoriety for your skepticism about vaccines and over the summer in an interview you said quote there's no vaccine that is you know safe and effective do you still believe that i never said so stop me we have the clip please play the clip I play the whole clip. I just uh,
4: talked about that the media slanders you by calling you an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And uh, you've said that you're not anti-vaccine. You're pro-safe vaccine. Difficult question. Can you name any vaccines that you think are good?
7: Uh, I think some of the live virus vaccines are probably uh, so, so averting more problems than they're causing. Um, there's no vaccine that is... You know, safe and effective.
6: So you did say it. Do you still believe it? Well, I, here's
7: what here's what I here's what I would say. First of all, I'm not anti-vaccine.
6: How is that uh, statement not anti-vaccine?
7: Well, it's, it's, it's I, I can say right now there is no medicine medicine for cancer that's safe and effective. It doesn't mean I'm out against all medicines. I've been fighting forty years to get mercury out of fish. Nobody calls me anti-fish. What I want is vaccines that are proven safety. And what I meant, which was a bad use of words, none of the vaccines that are currently on the mandated schedule for children, the 72 vaccines, have ever been tested in a pre-licensing safety study. Uh, What that means is that we do not know. uh, We do not know what what the risk profile is for those products. And you cannot prove that any or say with any scientific certainty and any of those products are causing you
6: still believe that no vaccines are safe and effective
7: oh what i'm saying is that none of the 72 vaccines has ever been tested in a safety study okay pre-licensed so
6: let me ask you if you think it's wise for people to take these uh vaccines because you had this to say um on a different podcast about whether uh, people with young babies should be getting them shots watch
7: for many, many years, uh, I think parents were so gaslighted and they were scapegoated and they were uh, vilified and marginalized so that even children, parents of kids who were very, very badly injured, knew what happened to their kid, but they were just reluctant to talk about it. And I think now those days are over. Our job is to resist and to talk about it to everybody. If you're walking down the street and I do this now myself, which is, you know, I don't want to do, I'm not a busybody. I see somebody on a hiking trail with a carrying a little baby and I say, I'm better. I get him vaccinated and he hear that from me. If he hears it from 10 other people, maybe he won't do it. You know, maybe, he, maybe he will save that child.
6: Maybe he will save that child. You think preventing vaccines for a child will save that child? Do you still say this to parents today? What, what I
7: say again is I had three vaccines, Casey, when I was a kid, and I was fully compliant. My kids got 72. The current recommendations are, I think, around
6: 77. And we, I have a vaccine record for my child, and there are not 77. Uh, there, are 72,
7: there. 77 dose, there are 72 doses of 16 vaccines. Oh, that's just a fact. And um, there are certain vaccines that were added to the schedule after 1986 because in 1986 Congress made it so that it's impossible to sue a vaccine company, no matter how negligent they are, no matter how grievous your injury, no matter how reckless their conduct. So what
6: were your, what were your three vaccines? Oh, let, me, you let, me your finish,
7: let me finish this. And we, the, there was a gold rush to add new vaccines to the schedule, including a lot of vaccines that are not uh, for diseases that are not even casually contagious, name I'll give one. You- uh, hepatitis,
6: hepatitis B. So you don't uh, think hepat- a hepatitis B vax- vaccine is progress? I don't
7: think that a hepatitis
6: vaccine. I don't think the current hepatitis. I think the current the science
7: suggests that the current hepatitis B vaccines are causing more problems than they're solving.
6: And listen, why would you- I'm have, not in a position why, to argue with you on science, do, but why I'm why glad have, you're on the record of saying that. Why would you, call, why would you have a baby,
7: give a baby a, a hepatitis B vaccine, When the only way that you can catch hepatitis B is through sexual interactions or using a needle. Now, there are mothers who pass it to their children and all those mothers are tested in every hospital in the country. So if, the, if somebody's at risk, then I wouldn't object to it, but why give it to a whole generation? You know, the, good health comes from building a strong immune system. And we had we never had hepatitis B epidemics when I was a kid. We never had rotavirus epidemics. A lot of these th- these products were added to this schedule because they enrich the companies and this is an automatic boom, an automatic windfall. Okay. For companies so that they're now being that they're now allowed to mandate their product with no legal liability. So do you think school, school children no should not be required
6: to be vaccinated?
7: In schools? Schools? No, I would be
6: against mandates at all. For any vaccines. For, For any children. vaccine.
1: I would be against mandates for any vaccines. Oh, that was a bad use of words. So uh, what he's saying is the vaccines given to kids, well, they haven't been sufficiently tested. So literally hundreds of millions of kids over decades have gotten these vaccines, and that's not good enough for him. But one study that was published in the British medical journal The Lancet, that said that mercury and vaccines uh, could be bad. A study that in 2010, the Lancet fully withdrew. The man who authored that study has had his medical license stripped because he is so incompetent. But on the basis of that, we're supposed to be afraid on one Study that everyone agrees was not right and the man who authored it has lost his medical license. That we can count on. But the millions of kids over decades who've gotten vaccines, oh, we don't know they're safe. We don't know they're safe. Come on. Oh, and also he said the only way to get hepatitis B is from having sex. That is actually not true. Um, If you are exposed to the blood of somebody with hepatitis B. Uh, If you get a tattoo or a body piercing with unsterilized equipment, you can get hepatitis B. If you touch the blood of someone with hepatitis B and you have a cut or other open wound, you can get hepatitis B. And a newborn baby can get hepatitis B at birth if the parent, if the mother has hepatitis B. And you know what? The weird thing about hepatitis, lots of times... Whether it's B or C, people don't know they have it right away. Hepatitis C, which there is now also a vaccine for. A lot of people, until they actually started showing toward the end of the infections, actual liver damage, people didn't people weren't able to tell they even had it. RFK Jr., the um liar of the year according to politifact and uh like i said that's not even that's not even getting into the the other conspiracies the cia killed president kennedy um you know the fact that sirhan sirhan did not actually shoot his father it just goes on and on there are more calls we're going to get to them when we come right back after this We are opening the phone line 773-763-9278. If you've never called in 773-763-WCPT, we use the letters. It's a little bit easier to remember, at least for me. Um We are not going to have outside guests. You are my guest today. And as this is my last show of 2023, we are going to be talking about The news of the year. Yes, there's been some breaking news. The Supreme Court isn't going to expedite Jack Smith's request to decide whether or not Donald Trump has a valid claim of immunity. So that happened earlier today. But for the most part, we are going to be taking a look back at 2023 and the important stories. Let me take you back to the phone lines right now. Ron is calling in from Chicago. Hi, Ron. How are you today? Thanks for the call.
8: Yes, uh, RFK Jr. gave me a headache.
1: <laughs>
8: <laughs> no, uh, uh, the uh, Republicans. I uh, have this priority of uh, impeaching President Biden, but they went on recess for two weeks. Uh, you know, they didn't. Take they did, didn't they? Yes. Uh, you know, happy holidays.
1: Uh, <clears throat>
8: So, um, it's, it's like a, it's like a group of firemen going to a fire, and then at five o'clock they say, "Well, it's quitting time." Yeah, so exactly. We've
1: been here eight hours. It's not our fault. The fire is still burning. We'll be back tomorrow morning at you know yeah. nine exactly. And I, and I,
8: yeah, uh-huh. that. yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a definition of uh, Puritanism. Uh, it is the uh, fear of someone somewhere being happy. That is the definition of that.
5: <laughs> I like that.
8: Yeah. That sounds from an old, uh, uh, I don't know if what you call, how would you describe this man? Uh, he was uh, maybe a, a social reformer, H.L. Mencken. He was from a long time ago, hundred years ago. He used to, I don't know if you ever heard, heard, heard that name, H.L. Mencken. You no, no, he's from a long time ago, 100 years ago. All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the call. Merry, oh, Merry, yeah. Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Let's go to Brian, who is uh, on the line from Kankakee, Illinois. Hey, Brian. How are you today? Hi.
9: Great. I've got a, a kind of disturbing local story for you. That's also a new low in Texas stunts that they're playing on asylum seekers. So anyway, yesterday morning, first day of winter, a bus driver dropped off a load of asylum seekers at essentially a a rural I-57 exit, telling them that they were in Chicago. Bye-bye. And these poor people, first of all, it's 60 miles south of Chicago. These poor people didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go. They've been on a bus for 30 hours from El Paso, Texas. So they all started walking along the interstate. We've got a busload of asylum seekers walking along I-57, which is incredibly dangerous. And that's what Texas is doing now. it's, It's inhumane. It's cruel. It should be criminal.
1: Yeah, I really don't understand why our attorney general or someone else hasn't tried to bring human trafficking charges against Greg Abbott. There must be some complicating legal factors, but it is it it, it is so aside from the fact that even if in Texas you feel like the government isn't doing enough, treating people this way, actual human beings this way is is just so incredibly awful
9: yeah it's appalling it, it should be I, I would think it would be criminal endangerment or something
1: yeah you you would think that there would be some some charges of some kind I wonder if the if the driver did that because now there are this so many communities are passing these laws that if migrants are dropped off inappropriately without the proper permits and paperwork that the city governments are impounding the buses. Um, because you know, right after that became public knowledge, mm-hmm. Greg Abbott, yeah, chartered a plane to fly fi- fly some people in. But you know, they're going to do everything in their power to try to uh, to try to circumvent these laws. But you know, you
9: know is Chicago is Chicago doing that? Not, yes. not letting bus, bus oh, the, if,
1: uh, What they're doing is, I think they've already impounded one, unless. The bus driver has the permits, and unless the migrants are dropped off like at a migrant center and, you know, not just dropped off randomly, like you described, by the side of the road or in the middle of a street. Um, Chicago passed the ordinance and some of the surrounding towns. I, my memory is trying to get me to say Roselle might be one, but I'm, I don't trust my memory. But there are a few towns around Chicago because they first started trying to circumvent this law uh, by dropping people off right before they get to the Chicago border. And other communities were like, no, you're not going to do this to us. And they're quickly passing these same laws that they will impound the bus and fine the bus company. So but, you know, we have need a better solution. This is this is just playing cat and mouse And and we need a better solution to this problem. And I am so sorry that happened to those people. Thank you, thank you, Brian, for for calling and talking to us about this and telling us about this. Sure. Thank you. Um, And have a happy holiday. Okay.
9: Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was wondering, what about a state law? Maybe we need a state law, statewide.
1: Well, that sounds like a plan, too, though they're also not in session until next year. So, you know, I think uh, cities are doing what they can in the short term. The ideal would be that we had a federal solution, but I don't see anything like that coming down the road. One of one of the people I was talking to said, you know, if Greg Abbott is going to be flying migrants in, maybe somehow the FAA could step in. And make those flights turn around if, you know, under the rules of of not allowing flights uh, to take place that break laws. I don't know. But something needs to be done. Uh, it is we it's like we are playing this game of whack-a-mole. And every time we try to come up with a short term interim solution, there's a workaround from Greg Abbott. It's it's I don't know. But but what you just described is is really tragic.
9: Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Joan.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the call. Um, Let's go to Dave, who is calling in from Hoffman Estates.
10: Hey, Joan. Yeah, with that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, my God, that's like somebody uh, scraping their fingernails on the blackboard listening to me. Yeah,
1: I don't know. uh, He always sounds like that. You would think that, you know, maybe uh, he had been... Well, he'd lost his voice because he'd been shouting the night before or something, but I don't know what is what the deal is, but he always sounds like that. He's almost not understandable.
10: Yeah. You should also match up that voice with uh, Catherine Hepburn and say is it Catherine or is it Robert Kennedy <laughs> yeah. Jr. with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, talking about the um, that misinformation and that earlier. Perhaps the US should take a, a page from Finland. They've been they've been doing um, media literacy as a national core curriculum starting in preschool. They started this whole back in 2014, 2 years before Russia meddled into our elections, teaching generations how to spot misinformation. No?
1: That's really so, smart. We need we need media literacy and we need a return to teaching civics in this country. You know, people Mm -hmm. need to understand how the government works. And part of both of those things, media literacy and how the government works, is teaching people how they can be involved in the process. There's tons of ways to be involved in the process without actually running for office yourself. And I think that we need to, you know, when I was young, that was a part of everybody's education and it sort of got dropped for, I don't know, I guess they wanted to focus more on core things like just, you know, math and science, yeah. but, but those other social skills are as important as algebra and maybe even more important than algebra.
10: Yeah. Like, uh, even like with, uh, Home type stuff. Well, yeah. How to balance your books, you know, your, mm-hmm. your checkbook and your vehicles, you know, how to check the oil and, you know, do maintenance. Yeah. yeah. Simple things like that.
1: The, All that um, good stuff.
10: Yeah. The uh, Also, talking about that one doctor that was, was disproved, are you sure he wasn't that one that, that looked like Jerry Garcia that told that Trump was the
1: healthiest Oh, the guy ever? with the long gray ponytail. What I, yeah, you know, I should yeah. look up why well, should look up whatever happened to him, you know, and he later admitted, you know, because he was the one who kept giving Trump these glowing uh, reports on his physicals. Yeah. He later admitted that he wrote what Trump told him to write. Trump said, write this, write this, write this. And he wrote it. And, you know, frankly, that guy should probably lose his license as well. <laughs>
10: I don't know if he's still living anymore. I thought I heard something. He might have died, but uh, oh,
1: oh, okay.
10: But uh, that's okay. <laughs> he, he danced with the devil, and uh, but uh, and lastly, so you get others. This morning, I, I was watching on Morning Joe, and like you're talking about, like with this Trump's pushing to, you know, um, get uh, John a blank on the name, you know, where he wants to that. He's not going to get charged for all of this stuff that, because he was the president.
1: You know? Yeah, he wants immunity. He says Afterwards, that basically they? as long as he's the president, he can uh, break any law that they, yeah. that well, exists. Was,
10: well, there's this uh, a lawyer, an, um, prosecutor, whatever that comes on morning, Joe, this Ehrenberg, I believe his name is last name, out of uh, Florida. He says, well, you better watch out what he wishes for, because if that gets passed, he said, then then President Biden can just I'm not going to leave. Mm,
1: exactly. <laughs> leave office.
10: Exactly. He, said, there's, he said, there's nothing they can do because <laughs> I got immunity. I don't <laughs> And it yep. was a really good one. Like he said, that Biden can do the same thing, then just say, I'm not going to leave office.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, of course, he would. He never would since he actually follows the yeah. laws. But, yeah, it's um. I'm I'm very concerned that with people like RFK Jr. and no labels, uh, siphoning votes away from probably that most of the experts say that Biden would lose more than Trump uh, from some of these extra uh, third party, fourth party candidates. I'm very worried that when you add that with the Electoral College. That it is with very much within the realm of possibility that we have another Donald Trump presidency. And I've talked too much, Dave. We got to get to the news. Uh, Thanks for okay. the call. I listen,
10: back have uh, Merry Christmas, and then
1: yeah, you know, thanks, uh, Dave. Back right, right after the news. Talk to you next year. Okay. Bye. Joan
0: Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you, Jonas Esposito. Y'all for this on WCPT eight twenty.
1: This is our last Friday together of 2023, so we are talking about all of the different stories of the year. The phone lines are going to be open until, well, probably not till 5 o'clock, but, you know, until a few minutes before 5 o'clock, 773-763-9278. You can call and talk to me on that line. Tell me what news stories are of interest to you. Uh, you can also text us on that line. I will be uh, trying to share some of your texts with us, uh, with, with the rest of the audience as we go forward. So uh, before we move on to our next topic... Let's get to some of these callers who've been waiting a while to chat. Let's start with Max, who's calling in from North Carolina. Hi, Max. Happy holidays. Uh,
11: uh, Happy holidays to you, too. Uh, Yeah, you know, like listening to everybody speak and stuff in the news, you know, I'm supporting anyone that is going to start working for the American people. Okay, we, we, you know, I I travel through the United States a lot uh, working. OK, and I noticed that a lot of Americans, you know, are out of work. I think this is the second highest homeless population that we have had since World War II. Well, you're talking you about know,
1: homeless or you're talking people who are out of work because the uh, no, jobless homeless. numbers are at the lowest they've been in decades. Wait,
11: wait, no, I'm talking about homeless people. OK, okay just, and, and homeless people are not counted uh, as unemployed. They're not just counted, period. OK, so and, and that's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. If you want to look up any of that stuff, that's where all that stuff's at. OK, but anyways, I'm supporting anybody who basically wants to work for the American people is not going to be supporting any war, any war at all. OK, and and as we can see, it's not Biden and it's not Trump. So whoever else is going to come up there, I spend at least $10,000 on the election. That's who I'm going to be spending my okay, money let on. Me, let me clarify,
1: uh, because we uh, pulled out of Afghanistan. So we are not uh, we are defending our various bases around the world, but we're not actively involved in any kind of military actions. So, are you talking about, you know, military actions that other people are undertaking?
11: I, I, okay, you know what? Well, we are, we are, to, because our tax dollars fund the war of the the war in Gaza and it, it funds the war in Ukraine. If you count all the dead people that are in both of those countries, it's well over a half a million. That's our tax dollars that work.
1: But, but, Max, what are we supposed to do when somebody does something that is wrong? When Vladimir Putin rolled into Ukraine and he said, I want this territory, what, are we supposed to just say, well, as long as he's not rolling into the state of Michigan, it's OK? Are we supposed to just sit by and let that happen?
11: No, because you know what? The Ukraine government has been killing people in the Donbass for seven years before uh, Russia got so involved So you're saying this was retaliation?
1: Da- uh, Putin invaded no, 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 Ukraine to somebody retaliate? Needed
11: to put a, somebody needed to put a stop to it, and that's what the Ukrainian government, I mean, the Russian government is doing. Oh,
1: Max, I, come I, I, on. Back. Max, come on, Vladimir, even Vladimir Putin doesn't say that. He says that Ukraine was never a country. It should never have been recognized as a country. It is part of the Soviet Union, always has been, always will be. So we are just reclaiming territory that is ours. He's not giving any kind of excuse like, well, we're doing that because of this. As a matter of fact, the Russian soldiers who first invaded Ukraine were told that they were rooting out Nazis. They were they told are. that that was that was what they were told. The Nazis yes. have taken over Ukraine. We've got to go kill they, they all have. the Nazis. I mean, come all on, Max.
11: To, uh, is type in the the Azar battle. That's that is the the head uh, military uh, in U- Ukraine, and that is part of the Nazis. They're part of uh that on oh, Max.
1: Bag. You and make me sad. You really Look make it up. me that sad, Max.
11: United States government.
1: That's what so I So You're, you, you're the, saying that the, the invasion of Ukraine and Putin's idea to fold Ukraine into Russia—that that's just great. That's exactly no, what should be happening. No, he's not taking all
11: Ukraine. The people, the people in the Donbass are voting to—they already voted to leave Ukraine. Okay, fourteen thousand of them have been killed. Again, do you Ukrainian think that what
1: Vladimir Putin is force. doing is right? Yes or no, Max? You bet! Oh my God! And Max, you know, you and I don't always see eye to eye, but a lot of times, I think that you provide an interesting perspective. But this swallowing of um, the the Russian propaganda hole. Just makes me really sad. And I, how this ties into ex- the unhoused people name. that you're also and complaining and about. Let's awesome. face it, you've never been a Biden supporter. You never will be. But I just don't, I I, oh, that's right. I, wouldn't I be. wish you a very happy holiday, but I'm done, Max. I'm just done. Okay, Paul, you. let's move okay. on to the next caller. Um. <clears throat> Let's go to Ron, who's calling in from Michigan. Hey, Ron from Michigan. How are you?
12: Good, Joan. Joan, when you say conspiracy theory uh, involving the CIA and the assassination of JFK, it's almost like if you do not believe the CIA was involved, you are part of the government. Cover up of the whole assassination.
1: No, he didn't say he didn't just say that the CIA was involved. He said the CIA shot President Kennedy. That is what he believes. You know what the CIA knew when they knew it. I I don't know. I'm not a student of the assassination, but but he doesn't even say we should look into this. You know there are unanswered questions. No, he'll tell anybody who listens that the CIA killed uh, John Kennedy, and that I just I don't believe that. I don't. That's a bridge too far for me. I understand yeah, that lots like, of times there are questions about what happens. He also, even though there's videotape. You can see the pictures of Sirhan Sirhan shooting his father, Robert Kennedy, and he says that didn't happen either. You can watch it happen on video, and he says Sirhan Sirhan didn't do it. So what are we supposed to do with that? John,
12: there's a whole other conspiracy theory. There was a second gunman. The gunman was the security guard. I'm not saying that there aren't other
1: theories. Um, I'm not saying that, but... When you can see what happens on video and then you turn around and you say, that's not what happened. You know, we weren't as good at manipulating video then. We, I don't think we could do it at all. Uh, and probably most of it was film anyway. Um, you know, there's a line between wanting more information and wanting to investigate and wanting to the, get to the bottom of who might be involved. And there's another line that is just, that is just nutballs. And, uh, you know, I won't I won't countenance nutballs.
12: Well, you know, you've got to be careful with those those kind of thoughts, because a, a lot of people are staunch Democrats, but they know in their hearts, they believe they've read it, they've studied it, that the assassination of JFK was CIA involved. I mean, George Bush, Sr., he was involved up to his eyeballs, and he's always denied. He never knew where he was. He worked okay. I, I'm of not, make, I'm I'm of not
1: making myself clear here. What I'm trying to say is, a uh, I don't think there are a lot of people, frankly, who've really studied this. I think most people, you know, read an article or two, and they think that they are experts. I, I'm not saying that we know everything that happened, and how it happened, and why it happened. I I can't say that. But do I think that our own government killed our president? No, I think that's that's a bridge too far. And, you know, and that's that is what I'm saying. And, um, you know, I just wish that we could focus more on where we are today. I think it's you're, you're right. It's important that we go back in history and ascertain all the things that went into certain events, and that's what historians are for. But right now, I am more worried about what is happening to this country. I am worried about the 2024 election, and I am worried about whether or not our democracy is going to survive for the next few years. And that's kind of what I would like to focus on. Ron, other than that, thanks for the call. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with more after this.
0: Jonas Esposito live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820.
1: You know, in the break, I was just looking over the text line, and um, people are always texting me when somebody uh, is uh, spouting disinformation and misinformation that I should just hang up on them. And eventually, I usually do, but I try, before that happens, I really do try to find some common ground. Um I realize, and I know I've said this on the show before, that people who are really far right in their beliefs and thinking, people who are QAnon, people who are ardent and passionately for Donald Trump, I no longer think that we can, the rest of us can change their minds. I, I really don't. That's why I think it's so important that everybody get out and vote. Because sometimes, I, and I was, I was a lazy Democrat, okay? I was a lazy Democrat. I didn't always pay as much attention to what was going on as I should. But in these upcoming elections, people who naturally care about other folks, people who are liberal, people who are progressive, people who want to see government do good things for people, we need to make sure that we all get out and vote. Because there are more of us than there are of them. And they will not be able to dictate to us if we turn out and vote our beliefs and our consciences. So, um, maybe sometimes I Keep those conversations going on a little longer than they otherwise should. But hope springs eternal in this woman. I keep thinking that maybe I can break through the noise. I know what you're thinking. You know, haven't you learned your lesson, Joan? Isn't that, uh, you know, aspirational and not realistic? Yeah, okay. You're absolutely right. So let's, uh, let's. Let's do a phone line palate cleanse. Let's go to the phone lines and talk to our good friend Roosevelt. Roosevelt, happy holidays! I'm I I'm so glad you called today, Roosevelt. Oh no, did we lose him, Paul? Okay, Roosevelt might have put us on hold. So let's just put him on hold. Maybe he'll be back in a few minutes. Let's go to Bobby, who is calling in from Indiana. Hey, Bobby, my good friend, I hope you have a wonderful holiday.
13: I hope you do, too. But doggone it, I wanted to hear President Roosevelt from the (laughs) south side. I needed after. uh, I have a rear tire that has the same problem that Max apparently does. Uh, uh, Boy, I don't. I tell you, Joni, how quick can you get here after that little duo of R- Ron and Max? Uh, I think tonight I'm going to be uh, sitting down to the four March brothers and a couple of uh, Laurel and Hardy shorts to get some uh, craziness that makes sense. <laughs> uh,
1: <it's just> <laughs> that is a me. wonderful. That is a wonderful idea. Uh, later tonight. Ray and I and my daughter, uh, Thomasina, we're going to go over to the Chicago Botanic Garden and we're going to walk through Lightscape, which for those of you who haven't heard about it, a lot of places do this where they'll um, put up all kinds of really exotic, extraordinary light displays and play music and you can... Um, there's one place in I uh, in Northbrook I think where you can just stay in your car and drive through a bunch of lights. Um, there's a um, this place at the Botanic Garden where you can get out and walk for like a mile and a quarter through the lights and um, that is something that I'm going to do to reset my heart, Bobby. <laughs> well, that'll help hey, yeah. uh, uh, well,
13: until Rose is out, uh, shows up. Can you uh, bring on Earl from Hyde Park? Uh, that, that's that's another good one that you have uh, <laughs> now. I, I like him. You know, I, whenever I would come back uh, to Indiana on the train, uh, and we come around the curve, and that was one of the stops, and I'd look down there, and it oh, looks like a nice area, and and uh, and so that's where. It, I, I I prefer to call him the Earl of Hyde Park. For myself, <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Earl, if you're and listening, there's it. a
1: there's a request. Uh, I don't see his name on the phone lines right now, but um, we, like I said, we're mm-hmm. going to keep He's the phone lines open until five o'clock. So yeah. there's still time, Earl.
13: There's still time, and maybe Paul can call from uh, from out. You know,
1: yeah, out I think Paul Washington. actually is on the line.
13: We'll be getting back to, ah, to him. I'll, I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to get off. Her. And
1: so, uh, Bobby, would you have you any special what, plans for the holiday? Uh, I try not to uh, be too sick, I guess,
13: um, no. but, uh, that doesn't seem to be working out so good. So I think I'll just watch a movie. Um, but um, you know, I'm kind of ticked off. It's Pardon my language. Um, <laughs> that uh, this thing that just came out today, where they got the smoking gun of loudmouth Trump in Michigan, where they caught him—I uh, think it was at the fake electors or something—that he, uh, they got him uh, uh, on tape, as it were. And they recorded the call, and he's telling them. Was that them the, what in, was to that in Michigan
1: that you're talking about, or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just that's came the new. To... And I'm thinking, that is wonderful timing.
13: Why couldn't they have held that till the day after New Year's? Because now we have got two weeks for everybody to party hardy and forget all about it.
1: Hmm.
13: And that's a nice hot little bomb, you know?
1: Oh, Pitching don't you think off. that there's going to be more that unfolds come January? I think that well, um, I, think well, gonna I, I, well, I think we're going to
5: no. have plenty. I think we're going to have plenty
1: to keep us busy. I think it is going to be no. difficult to stay afloat in all of the news yeah, and no. information that um, that uh, comes our way. Um, uh, speaking of news and information, Bobby, somebody just shared this with me. Um, this apparently just happened. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has officially struck down the legislative maps. They are ordering new maps, and they want them in place before the 2024 elections. Um, hey, is that a good news thing for us? That is a good news thing because Wisconsin Whoopee. is one of the most gerrymandered states in the country. Yeah. And this ruling apparently says that if the legislature and the governor can't get new maps made, the court is going to draw new maps. Whoa, Wait a that is Wait a, a huge, is that- huge win. Are we talking about the Wisconsin court? Yes. Yes. The Wisconsin Ooh, Supreme Court said it? the maps we have aren't fair. You need to redraw them. And if you can't get them redrawn before the 2024 election, we will draw the maps. We, the Supreme Court, yeah, will draw the maps.
13: That might be a problem because I think that's
1: the somewhat uh, Democratic majority court. Hmm, I think you could be right. Mm. Uh, mm. Yep. Hey, and there you was, know what? You yeah. know
13: what? There just might be a double feature for Marx Brothers tonight.
1: <laughs> That's you love that a, idea of drawing out the the Marx Brothers and maybe the Three Stooges and um, all of the you, silly, you know, you know maybe you the Wily Coyote cartoons. Oh my
13: God! You don't know what might be happening now that you mm-hmm. uh, you opened you opened a heck of a can of worms, there, young lady. So. Uh, <sighs> Well, Whoa, boy. we're going you know to kick back tomorrow, wrap some
1: presents, and watch some Christmas and uh, movies and funny stuff from our childhood. Bobby, what a great idea. It is always a pleasure well, to you- talk to you, my friend. You keep that health under control, uh, because when I am back the week of January 8th, I am going to be needing to talk to people like you, okay?
13: Oh, not me. Yeah, you. But, uh-
1: well, I'll take you
13: out to the Dairy Queen in Westville. How's that?
1: Oh, my God. I love Dairy Queen. I love I, Dairy I Queen. I heard. I heard mm. that rumor. Mmm. Yum. Okay, Bobby, yeah. take care of yourself. We're going to take a break okay. for uh, a few minutes and be back with more calls and more interesting sounds after this.
0: Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820.
1: It is the final Friday of 2023 for us. We are having you as our guest today. 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. We are going to take your calls and talk about the important stories of the year. I have a lot of interesting sound clips that I've been sitting on for months that I want to share with you. Uh, But real quick, let's uh, start this segment with a caller. George is calling in from the south side. (laughs) Hey, George, how are you?
14: I'm I'm wonderful. Woo, (laughs) that's great. Caught me in mid-bite of a late oh. lunch. My apologies.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, I Thank you for waiting. I know long enough that he actually fixed himself lunch. Uh, thank you for hanging in there, George.
14: Well, the CPT audience is resourceful and flexible.
1: <laughs> That's but, um, right.
14: Anyway, wishing you and yours all the joy of the season. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Um, I wanted to respond to that question. Vociferous and uh, essentially hundred percent wrong caller who was making excuses for Putin earlier what, what was his name again Max
1: from North Carolina yeah he's um he often calls to disagree with me
14: well I'm pretty sure that Max is going to be one of those who gets a Christmas stocking full of coal from Santa this year <laughs> uh, just a, not that this is going to matter uh, you spoke on this a little while ago. Because facts don't seem to have any influence. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to review just a couple of simple facts about the situation in regards to Ukraine and Russia. First and foremost, when the Cold War ended, I believe it was the United States, Great Britain, France, Germany, Russia, and of course Ukraine made an agreement that all of the nuclear weapons and materials that were within Ukraine would be transferred to Russia. And in exchange, Ukraine's borders would be permanently guaranteed.
6: This is true. Russia
14: agreed to this and signed on the dotted line. Um, In addition to which, the Ukrainian borders, as they were, in whatever it was, 91, 92, 93, when this took place, had been drawn by the government of the Soviet Union in circa 1956 or 57. So these were borders that had been in effect for like 35 years and had actually been drawn by the Russians. And then they guarantee these borders. And then Putin violates the word that he gave to the Ukrainians, and launches an all out war into its territory for reasons that are unjustifiable, invading a neighbor that was no threat to him whatsoever.
5: Mm-hmm.
14: And um, that's the situation. That's something that we cannot allow to fall apart. We have to make sure that the Ukrainians win, that Putin and the Russians lose. And it's wise to keep in mind who Putin was and is. Communist Party member, KGB officer. At the end of the Cold War, he was posted in East Germany as the head of the KGB stationed in East Germany. And there's only speculation on this, but he's possibly responsible for the death of hundreds of people in the run-up To the fall of the Berlin Wall, because they were killing people trying to stop the Warsaw Pact from dissolving. So our friend Max is literally advocating for the devil. Mm -hmm. Putin is rotten through and through. And I sometimes wonder, you know, there was that character from the Russian Revolutionary Times, the mad monk Rasputin, Mm -hmm. who, who... who was responsible in a large measure for the disaster that russia and its people went through back then and i just wonder if putin is a short version of rasputin I wonder if they spring from the same family tree <coughs> uh but the bottom the bottom line here is is that putin and russia have no leg to stand on none i mean they're they're guilty of countless war crimes and crimes against humanity that's been going on for the past almost two years. And how somebody can't see that is beyond my ability to comprehend.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I feel the same way. And all I can speculate is that they wrap themselves in a curated social media that is just reinforcing the QAnon conspiracies and um i know pe- a lot of people who watch fox cable watch nothing else that is their sole source of information and i think for some people they hear it on fox they hear it on fox there they see somebody echoing the same sentiment on facebook and they internalize it it becomes a part of how they think about the world and i think when somebody does that it is really if not difficult, impossible to try to get that person to turn around. Some people are actually able to do it on their own. <clears throat> I saw an interview like a year or two ago with a woman who had gone down a QAnon rabbit hole. And she pulled herself out because there was just there was one little thing that didn't make sense to her, even though she bought most of it. And she kind of explored that thing. And then that led to other things that didn't make sense. And finally, she was able to take a step back and basically go, whoa, you know, this stuff is crazy. I can't believe that I was so sure it was all true. If Max isn't willing to do it himself... I don't think people like you and me, George, can do it for him.
14: No, the rabbit holes are are deep. And um, a a lot of the social media sites that folks like this go to constantly actually originate in Russia and other foreign countries. And their sole purpose is to sow seeds of dissension among our people, to disunify the United States. I mean, the Russians... Russia is a failure of a country. It's the sick man of Europe and Asia. And this vast country, a storehouse of natural resources, precious metals, gas, oil, you name it, and it's a population of 140 to 150 million people, they have a net national product smaller than Italy. I mean, they don't have their act together. So what are they doing mounting a major war? when so much of their domestic life needs serious attention. I, I mean people like Max probably don't consider things like that. But if you're an average Russian, you don't live as well as all the people in Western Europe. You don't live as well as the people of Ukraine were living before Putin started this war. And it's just um, sad that the, as um, one of the guests that... Uh, Tom Hartman has on regularly, Philip Itner, the war mm-hmm. correspondent, and he's also on uh, Hell Sparks on Saturday, um, talks about how deeply rooted and ingrained it is in the Russian consciousness, that idea of empire, the empire that Catherine yeah. the Great put together by force and that Ukraine go this is like back when George Washington was president. That's when Catherine the Great was building the Russian Empire and that's when she and her armies were conquering Ukraine. And this is something that has made Russians thrust out their chests and boast pridefully for centuries. And the fact that their economy is in a is is in a wreck and that hundreds of thousands of the young men are dead or uh permanently disabled casualties of this war is not as important to them, this is according to Phil Itner, as maintaining that sense of our empire and that to lose Ukraine will be devastating to the Russian psyche. That yeah. might be the only thing that would turn the people against Putin. I don't know.
1: I don't know either, George, but I um, I really appreciate uh, you, uh, sharing that little bit of history with us. I, I don't know whether Max was still listening or not. My, gu- my guess is that he caused his little, um kerfuffle and and moved on but you're absolutely right a ukraine agreed to give up their nuclear weapons as long as everybody agreed that their borders were sacred and that was um, a deal that russia signed off on and what they have done since then is absolutely just awful and unconscionable george uh thank you for the call and you know uh, george and i were talking about People like, you know, Max, who go down a rabbit hole and can't seem to get back up. And I have said this before. I think one of the worst influences in this country is Fox Cable. And I think that Rupert Murdoch, I don't know whether he hates the United States or whether he really hates democracy, because Fox would not be spewing The lies and the misinformation that come from those hosts on a regular basis in prime time. Fox would not be doing that if he didn't sign off on it. And yes, I know he's turned the business over to his son, Lackland, but, you know, they're cut from the same cloth. I've said this before. He has done not only a disservice to this country, but a disservice to democracy. There was recently a Wall Street Journal CEO council, you know, one of those big fancy get-togethers, and they invited um a man who he wrote a book called Persuasion. Uh Anand Giridharadas was asked to speak, and I think they did this on purpose. Anand Giridharadas spoke at Davos years ago, you know, that's where like the world's c- richest CEOs come together. And he spoke to that audience and he looked out and he said, you know, you guys think because you give a few million to build a wing of a hospital or, or something like that, you think that you're good guys, but you're not. You, if you want to be good guys, you'll take that money and you'll make life better for the workers under you. Does everybody have full insurance? You know, all medical expenses paid. Does everybody have paid time off? Does everybody have parental leave? Does everybody have a, a decent salary for the job they do? If you really want to be a good guy, that's where you'll put your money. The rest of this stuff you do is ego. You do it for your ego, not because you want to make the world a better place. That's what he said at Davos. <laughs> he is no trouble speaking truth to power. So the Wall Street Journal invited him to speak at their CEO council and um, he decided that he needed to talk about Rupert Murdoch. That it was, if not then and there, what better place to talk about Rupert Murdoch and the evil he is spreading throughout the world. Anyway, listen to this.
4: This is an extraordinary newspaper owned by one of the most destructive men on planet earth right at the end of the, i i don't mean to be impolite but i have to be honest right and my friends who work at the journal again sitting on the couch over drinks don't say things very different than what i say there is a problem when someone not through The organ of this newspaper, which has fortunately and for the country's sake been kept what it is, but through other organs like Fox News, um, other newspapers, particularly in the cable realm through Fox, completely shredded the American social fabric, gone after uh, white resentment and backlash to try to inflame Resentments. Rupert Murdoch, now his son, Lachlan as well, have been waging a war on American democracy, pluralism, tolerance, love, justice. I would, I would imagine a lot of the things people in this room think are important values. And then you were here at this old newspaper that he acquired that he's, I guess, blessedly left untouched. And what do you do? What do you do? It's not, it's not easy. I, I mean, it, 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 I understand these, these, these kind of acquisitions are complicated, but I would say personally, um, in the example you raised of a, of a tension between employees and bosses, um, I personally think it's kind of morally untenable for a, a newspaper that is so important to be owned by someone who over there, in a slightly different room, is undermining, not what I believe in, but I think the very things the Wall Street Journal stands for every day. Ideas of truth. Ideas of fairness. Of accuracy.
1: That's Anand Girard Haradas. He wrote a book called The Persuaders at the front lines of a fight for hearts, minds, and democracy. He is one of those rare people who will... Speak truth to power. And he was invited to a Wall Street Journal CEO council. And he uh, looked at his hosts and said, you work for a really bad guy. And I'm really glad that so far he's left the news portion of your paper alone because, you know, the editorial portion, that's like a different paper. Um, But the reporters that work for the Wall Street Journal are generally pretty good at their job. He said, I'm really glad he's left you alone, but that doesn't forgive what he has done with Fox Cable. And he is absolutely an enemy of democracy. Uh, It is the last Friday of the year. We are keeping the phone lines open until just about 5 o'clock, 773-763-9278. We're going to get back to more calls and more sound bites after this.
0: Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820.
1: It is the last Friday of 2023, so the phone lines are going to stay open the whole day. It is just going to be you and me talking about the news. 773 763 9278. You can call us on that line. You can text us on that line. If you can't remember it, 773 763 WCPT. Let's go to the phone lines. Our good friend Paul is calling in from Seattle. Hey, Paul, how are you today?
15: Christmas to everybody, and uh, and Happy New Year to you, I won't, since you won't be back until after yeah. the New Year.
1: So. So the same to you, Paul.
15: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the the conspiracy-minded mentality that we hear with some of the previous callers, this is what drives the MAGA movement and the alternative facts. And, mm-hmm. and the people just want to throw away their brains. And, and these are co- people that potentially do have brains, um, but are for some reason willing to abandon them for, I guess, some kind of uh, emotional fetish that comes along with these uh you know some gratification that comes along with these uh, conspiracies. Uh, you know I'm thinking, for instance, my, my oldest brother. He's, he's 72. Uh, he, he's a Christian nationalist, right? Total right winger. Now he says things like this: that uh, you know, this country, we don't even know. How, we couldn't build a a, a a rocket to go to the moon anymore. We don't know how anymore. We forgot because because all the scientists who worked on the on the Saturn V project, they're all dead. So we don't even know how to go to the moon anymore. We America's just gone down so far. And I'm I'm laughing at it. And my young and my younger brother is who is an engineer, by the way. My older brother is not an engineer. Couldn't he couldn't he couldn't uh, balance his checkbook. But uh my my younger brother is going, really, really, no kidding. Like, how can my younger brother who is an engineer should know better than that? And I'm I, I said, that's not true. I know a guy, <laughs> Bud Shannon, guy in my Kirkman. Kirkland Kiwanis Club is in Seattle worked on the Saturn V rocket. I talked mm. to him about it all the time. he's only 82. and as a matter of fact I, I mentioned that to Bud and he said he kind of chuckled he said, oh we have way better rockets now than we had The Saturn v, Saturn v was a great rocket for its time but we have much better the moon mission wouldn't be it wouldn't be worth doing now it'd be so it'd be too easy. To do now, we have way better rockets and way better technology. It wouldn't be—it would be beneath us. That's why we don't do it anymore. And, the, but this is what kind of takes over people's mentality. And so, speaking of Rudy Giuliani and now Donald Trump, you know, meddling in Michigan at the, you know, trying to interfere at the this vote uh, vote counting center in Detroit. Speaking of this, this is one thing that I thought of. So when when Rudy Giuliani came to, went to Michigan and, and with that woman who looked, sounded like she had like slammed a half a dozen double martinis before she was speaking to the Michigan legislature and she
10: said, I signed this stuff is 30,000 ballots back into
15: the machine and reach out and I signed a thing that says bottom line I go to jail
13: <laughs>
15: and it's like the only problem was neither Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani nor that woman, and I won't mention her name, neither of them were sworn in before the legislature, so her so called affidavit didn't mean a hill of beans because it wasn't truly being tested. But if you just think about things this way, I was listening to that on the news, and I happened to have just received in the mail or delivered a ream of printer paper, you know, 500 mm-hmm. sheets, uh, 8.5 eight by 11. And I said, that's. It was on my desk and I'm like, that's five hundred she said so how many is thirty what thirty thousand is sixty of these things <laughs> right and it's like these are, I said this thing's about three inches thick, and so sixty of these well if I put them six of them end to end that's sixty six inches long because that's so that's a five and a half feet long, and if I stack them six high or ten high <laughs> to make thick that would be about thirty inches high. this is a wall that's like five and a half uh a feet long and about two and a half feet high. And that's just with printer paper. Ballot stock would be much heavier. And I thought, that's huge. You can't just This is an armload of stuff. 30,000 ballots is a wall of paper. And then I decided the next day, I, was, I called the clerk's office in the little city in, in Michigan where my mom lives. I said, how long does it take to put a, to put a ballot through a machine? I thought it would just be like a like a copy of this. Goes chew, chew, chew. No, she goes. Oh, they take about five to six seconds. I said five to six seconds, uh, and she said, "Yeah." I, I said, "She said, well, if it's if there's write in if there's write ins on it, it takes more than five seconds, but about five seconds if there's no write in." So I said thirty thousand times five seconds. That's one hundred and fifty thousand seconds. So let me divide by thirty six hundred <laughs> seconds per hour. And it comes out to be, what she, I guess as she was standing there observing at the Detroit Center, she stood there for 41 hours and 40 minutes to watch them stuff them in real quick on the fly, right? And that's if, I just thought, wait a minute, if they were just using one machine, it took them 41 hours and 40 minutes to count them the first time. And now you said you saw them stuff them in again, another 41 hours and 40 minutes? You see, if you just think about these lies, Just to put your just put a little bit of your brain power into it. You can see what a complete farce and a fraud the whole MAGA movement is. But that's what people grab. grab Yeah,
1: they cling and they don't want to let go. Um, Hey, Paul, before we wrap this up, um, Matt Cummings told me that um, the family meeting was going to be taken a few weeks off and that you were going to cover their time. Uh, Is that does that start this Sunday?
15: Uh, this Sunday, there will be a special, uh, uh, yeah, special expanded edition of Kitchen Table Progressive starting at 4 p.m., 4 to 7. So, Bobby, uh, call up and let's talk about, If Bobby wants to call from Indiana and talk about uh, Groucho Marx movies, the Marx Brothers movies, and the Three Stooges. That would
1: be fine with me. Excellent.
15: <laughs> Otherwise, uh, Paul, I've
1: got to get going. we got to get to the news. And uh, right. before I get to the news, I promised you that uh, some of what I wanted to share with you today would be um, would be a little bit on the fun side. So um, there is a guy by the name of uh, Stuart Reynolds. He goes by Brittle Star on social media, posts all these really funny things, writes funny books. He and a woman by the name of Emma Rudy decided that they were sick of Mariah Carey's song All I Want for Christmas is You. And they were so tired of it. Uh, they didn't want to hear it anymore. So they wrote a rebuttal to Mariah Carey. I'm going to play more of it later, but here's just a little taste of it now, and then we're going to go from this right into the news. Listen to this.
5: So let's put on another Christmas song.
0: Jonas Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. Jonas Pizzito, you all ready for this on WCPT 820.
1: On our final Friday, before we wrap up 2023, I will not be back until January 8th. I'm taking a week off for the holidays, and then I'm having some outpatient surgery, and I will be, God willing, back on the airwaves January 8th. Monday is when I am returning. I think Turi Ryder is going to be here, uh, but don't um, don't hold my feet to the fire on that one. Anyway, it is our last day of the year. There's so much, uh, so many sound clips that I have saved. Some of them for months and months and months because I either didn't have time to get to them or they were just a little longer than I usually share. And um, I wanted to try to get to some of that today as we look back on 2023. And I am spending this entire this entire show just uh, taking your texts, taking your calls, sharing uh, the news of the last year with you. Now, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know, I had a couple of callers <clears throat> Who want to um, regurgitate, you know, Fox talking points and uh, QAnon conspiracy theories? Um, I appre- <laughs> I got. I want to share with you a couple of uh, texts that I got on those conversations. Uh, Larry from Wheeling texted in: "Those wacky callers are lucky that I'm not a show host." I would borrow from Jonathan Brandmeier and Steve Dahl by having sound effects like a rocket launch and a three-two-one liftoff and then dump the caller. Steve Dahl would take it a step forward and use a toilet flush sound. Ah, the good old days of the loop. <laughs> and um, someone whose name I don't have texted in. Keep trying to turn those magas into decent folks, and you're headed to the funny farm faster than a Viagra pill wakes up the dead. They are not rational, and they don't care to be. Um, that's just a couple of these supportive texts that I have gotten for what probably were phone calls that I should have given up on a little earlier than I did. Okay, uh, we've only got an hour left. <clears throat> going to get to some of this stuff. First of all, uh, last September, President Biden uh, was uh, talking to the country. And uh, it's not a real long clip, but he talked about his age. And he talked about a couple of the big issues of the day that I have other sound for um, that I uh, that I want to get to. So uh, we will let Joe Biden now this is a speech from last September. I don't think it was a State of the Union, but it was definitely a speech he gave to the entire country. So listen to this.
16: Well, I get it. Believe me, I know better than anyone. But there's something else I know. When I came to office, this nation was flat on its back. I knew what to do. I vaccinated the nation and rebuilt the economy. When Russia invaded Ukraine, I knew what to do. I rebuilt NATO and brought our alliance to rally the world. And above all, when democracy was stake, I knew what to do. But you know what? I wish I could say the threat to our democracy has ended with our victory in 2020, but it didn't. Our democracy is still at stake, don't kid yourself. So we have more work to do, you and I, because our most important freedoms the right to choose, the right to vote, the right to be who you are, love who you love. These basic rights are being attacked. They're being shredded because our children should have the right to go to school without fear of being gunned down with a weapon of war. Because of people banning books. Did you ever think we'd be banning books in America? And our, I didn't. You may have noticed.
1: Did you ever think we'd be banning books in America? President Biden, I didn't either. Urbandale, Iowa schools identified nearly 400 books for removal, including The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou and The Adventures of Honey and Leon by the singer and actor Alan Cumming, illustrated by his husband. There is an organization called Pan America, and they uh, promote writers, they support writers, and they fight against book bans. After Pan-America and other local organizations helped to draw attention to this ban in Urbandale, Iowa, the district dropped its objections to more than 300 books including Cummings, but they identified 65 books that they said continued to violate their new state laws. Those books included Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, John Green's The Fault in Our Stars, Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, and James Joyce's Ulysses. Sixty-five books, many of which are considered classics, stayed on the book-banning list. After the action taken against his book, The Adventures of Honey and Leon, Alan Cumming took to social media to talk about what was happening and why it was happening. Listen to listen to this.
17: A book banning in the United States of America. Recently, one of my own books was targeted for removal from school libraries in Iowa. It's a picture book called The Adventures of Honey and Leon. It was written by me and illustrated by my husband, Grant Schaefer, and it's about our dearly departed dogs and the adventures they had when their dads go away. The reason they tried to ban this book is that Honey and Leon have two dads. By banning this book, the message this sends to children is that there's something wrong with having two dads and you're telling children, who might one day be in the LGBTQ plus community, that there's something wrong with them. And that is just not true. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my husband or our relationship or our dogs. There is nothing wrong with being gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender or non-binary or queer in any way. Elected extremists are taking over our schools, America. If you want to do something about it, go to pen.org forward slash
1: action. And uh, that is still a good web address for you, because as you well know, uh, book banning is still going on uh, in Florida. There have been teachers, there's been Pictures posted of teachers taping off the books in their classroom because the administrators are so terrified they'll get in trouble that they've told teachers that unless a book specifically has been approved, that they should simply not let any of the children take them out. A sad state of affairs. And part of what seems to be a Republican effort to return this company country to some kind of some kind of country that only exists in their mind. They have this vision that somehow we can be a non-gay, all white, Christian nationalist country if we can just pass the right laws and rein all these liberals and progressives in. <clears throat> Earlier I talked about Rupert Murdoch and how I felt that he was simply one of the worst human beings alive today for what he has done to American belief in truth and American support for democracy with what he allows on Fox Cable. One of our texters um, made reference to that. Uh, saying Murdoch said it himself during the Smartmatic trial. Remember, there were two voting companies that sued Fox because Fox hosts kept going on the air night after night, saying that the voting machines had been tampered with and that they um, weren't giving good results. Even though during the Dominion voting trial, it was released to the public, the private emails and the private texts from these same hosts, saying that all of this stuff was nonsense, it wasn't true, Biden was the president, and they thought Donald Trump was stupid. And yet that night they'd go on the air and spout the same lies. They were doing that at the direction of Rupert Murdoch. This uh, texter texted in, Murdoch said it himself during the Smartmatic trial for him, quote, it's not about the blue or red, it's about green. He doesn't care anything about democracy. It is all about the almighty dollar. I agree. I absolutely agree. President Biden, uh, in that speech, not only touched on book banning, he also talked about the attack on gay rights. When we come back from this next break, uh, nine months ago, the NAACP held their Image Awards and uh there were some very very powerful speeches that were given i want to share some of that with you when we come right back after this
0: jonas Esposito, live local and progressive on wcpt 820
1: it is by the way one of the textures i keep saying this is my last friday of 2023 um it, obviously, it is not the last Friday. Somebody corrected me. No, there's another Friday. Uh, I get that. But this is my last Friday of 2023. I'm taking time off for the holidays. And, uh, and then I'm going to have some outpatient surgery. So I will be back in the airwaves on January 8th. Uh, Terry Ryder, I think, is going to be filling in a lot of that for me. Um, but so please, I I am not I, I sometimes am time challenged. So texture, you know, you're you're not completely off base by reminding me <laughs> that this is that this is not the last Friday of the year. It is the last Friday of the year for me to be on the radio, which is why I um, wanted to. Uh, spend this entire day talking to you and sharing with you some of the things that I've been sitting on for a while, as some stuff longer than others. We heard from uh, President Biden's September speech where uh, he talked about how his age was a plus, not a minus, because he's been around and he knows how to do things. I agree with that. He also talked about the attack on gay rights and book banning. You heard uh, from Alan Cumming, who uh, had a book of his banned because uh, even though it was a story of two dogs, the two dogs had two dads. So that was um, unacceptable, at least for a while, until there was a an outcry and then the book was restored. But um, I also want to talk not only about gay rights, but also what is going on uh, with the rights of African Americans, last February. I mean, yeah, we're really we're really digging back here. Uh, last February, uh, were the NAACP Image Awards, and um, though usually those are awards given out to actresses and actors. Um, there was a Social Justice Impact Award given out that night back in February. And the man who was given that award, award was not an actor. He was an attorney by the name of Ben Crump. Ben Crump was in 2021 named one of Time Magazine's 100 Um, most influential people. He has been a fighter for civil rights. He has represented the families of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Stephen Clark. He has represented the families of Ahmed Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. He represented the people from Flint, Michigan, who were mostly African-American, who were getting poisoned, literally poisoned water coming out of their taps because the government there decided in all of its wisdom that rather than getting clean water out of the lake, it would be so much cheaper just to take water out of the Flint River, you know? Oh, well, yeah, you know, that water was caustic and it caused some of the stuff inside the pipes to dissolve. Long story short, the water was poisoned. That is one of the many cases he took on. And he is an amazing human being. Like I said, the NAACP Image Awards Created a Social Justice Impact Award, and last February that award was given to Ben Crump. He made a speech as he received that award that was passionate and um, just rang. You can see, if you watch the video of it, they t- they take pictures of all the different stars who are in the audience. And you can just see that people are resonating with his words. I don't have the entire speech, but I want to li- you to listen to a couple of minutes of it. This is attorney Ben Crump when he won the Social Justice Impact Award at the NAACP Image Awards last February. Listen to this.
18: Harriet Tubman matters, Frederick Douglass matters, Ida B. Well matters, Thurgood Marshall matters, Dr. King matters, Rosa Parks matters, Malcolm X matters, Shirley Chisholm, John Lewis. They were not mere footnotes in the history books, they were the heroes. And as Carter G. Wilson, prophetically warned if a race has no history if it has no traditions that are respected and taught to the young people then it becomes a negligible factor in the thought of the world and thus in danger of becoming exterminated we will not let Elected officials exterminate our history, our literature, or our culture. Not in Florida or any of the other 50 states. Because it is so important that both black children and white children. And all children know that black history matters because black history is American history.
1: That was attorney Ben Crump, who is a huge civil rights activist uh, after receiving the Social Justice Impact Award at last February's image awards those are the awards given out by the NAACP I want to also before we before we go to the next break I do want to recap the big news of this day if you haven't already heard you know um, Jack Smith went to the Supreme Court and asked them to give an expedited ruling on Donald Trump's contention that he cannot be prosecuted for the insurrection because he was president. And he is absolutely immune from prosecution for anything that happened while he was president. Uh, Jack Smith knows it's going to end up before the Supreme Court, and he figured he would just cut to the chase and keep the uh, trial moving ahead more swiftly. Um, but Donald Trump's lawyers were like, oh, we don't want that. No, Supreme Court, please don't do what Jack Smith has asked you to do. Let's just let the whole process play out, which is the Trump playbook. The Trump playbook is delay, delay, delay. Well, the Supreme Court decided that um, they were going to give Donald Trump's lawyers what they want. They will not be uh, reviewing this matter uh, anytime soon. So now that means that the um, District of Columbia D.C. Circuit Court will hear Trump's argument that he should be immune from prosecution. They will hear these arguments January 9th. And we have to see they have a lot of time before they are legally bound to issue a decision. But this D.C. Circuit Court has been known to issue decisions very quickly So if they get a decision by the end of January, then while this certainly slowed the process down by a few weeks, Jack Smith still should be able to bring this matter to trial before the election. Let's hope so. The other big news of this day, the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, was hearing a case about the legislative maps. They have ruled that the maps as they exist are not fair and that they need to be redrawn and that they need to be redrawn in time for the 2024 elections. And the Supreme court in Wisconsin went on to say, legislature, if you don't get this done, then we, the court will draw up a map. Either way, there's going to be a new map before the 2024 elections. You can do it. Or we will do it. Big news today from our neighbors to the north. And uh, before we go to break, I want to share with you one just really sweet, nice text that came in. I want to I want to thank you so much for sending this. Joan, you don't realize how important you are to your listener community. During COVID, Trump, Chicago issues, many have suffered much anxiety Listening to you has saved many from depression as you were and are on the same page as your listeners, so even those who felt isolated had a partner in their distaste for what was going on. Proud to be a faithful listener. Thank you for that. It is a a nice way to wrap up my final show of the year for 2023. I hope, though, um, that even more than being a partner in what we see as wrong, that For some people, at least, I was able to maybe ease that depression a little bit because I really do think that we are in a good position. And if we just come together and get out and vote, I think we can do amazing things. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with more after this.
0: Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820.
1: It is my, for me, the end of the year show. We are taking your calls, 773-763-WCPT, 773-763-9278. You can text me on that line. You can call me on that line. Uh, we have a little bit of time left to do our end of year wrap-up. Oh, I was... um. Talking about the NAACP Image Awards <clears throat> that took place last February, there was another soundbite. Uh, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade received an award. You may know those names. Um, well, you may know those names because um, those both of them are very famous. But they also have been very public and very supportive of their kid who happens to be trans. And when uh, they both were given uh, awards at the NAACP Image Awards somewhat nine months ago, uh, Dwayne Wade spoke, and then uh, his wife, the actress Gabrielle Union, spoke. And she didn't spend the whole time talking about her kid, but she talked about the fact that when it comes to acceptance, more work needs to be done listen to this
19: stands with us again at the foot of a very new era of activism a new era that demands our collective answer to one simple question will we fight for some or will we fight for all of our people Let's just name a couple hard truths. First, the intersection of black rights and the rights of the LGBTQIA, trans, and gender nonconforming people continues to be rough. It's a huge understatement. Even as we demand equality at the top of our lungs, we consistently fail to extend our advocacy to protect some of our most vulnerable among us. And, and second, black trans people are being targeted, terrorized, and hunted in this country, every day, everywhere, and there's rarely a whisper about it. We honestly don't approach this work as, as, as activists or leaders as, as much as we do this as parents. Parents who love our children and will do whatever the hell we can to, to, to keep them seen and secure and safe. This is a conversation worth having in ways that can actually build bridges, right? That don't fan the flames of hatred or division. That don't enable lawmakers or justice systems to look the other way when black trans people are under attack. They don't drive more young people to hate themselves or harm themselves. They don't cost people their lives. So we are humbled and we are hopeful for the future. I'm hopeful, we are hopeful that we may witness a real shift in the fight for justice. The moment the movement makes room for everyone. everyone.
1: Thank you. That's what 2024 is going to be about. That's what's on the table. Gay and trans rights, women's rights, civil rights. 2024. Vote your heart, your head, your conscience. And uh, let's all stand up where there are more of us than there are of them. And we need to make our voices heard. Uh, Before we go to the next break, there's one other thing that I wanted to share with you. I am not the only one wrapping up the year. Chuck Schumer was wrapping things up in the Senate. He made his last Senate floor speech, I believe it was Wednesday of this week. One of the things that I have been uh, saving. And um, I think he does a good job of making a very clear-eyed assessment of our politics in this. Again, this is Chuck Schumer's last Senate floor speech of 2023, listen to this.
20: Time to look ahead to the many challenges we face in the year ahead, but never in recent memory has the contrast between the two parties been more obvious than in the past three years. Under democratic majorities, we saw the most productive Congress in modern history. But under a Republican House majority this year, we saw a year marked by chaos, extremism, and paralysis. There's no question that divided government and MAGA extremism made legislation, legislating in 2023 very difficult. For much of the year, it was as if Donald Trump himself were running the show over in the House, making, ex- making it exceedingly hard to get anything done. But in a difficult year, Democrats did not abandon our promise to work to make life better for the American people. Even with the MAGA Republican right-wing majority running so much of the House, we prevented the worst things from happening. We prevented the country from defaulting, which would have been a disaster. We prevented, in both September and November, the government from shutting down. And in each case, the key word was bipartisanship. We can't do any of these things without both parties cooperating. And I urge Speaker Johnson to understand that as we approach the January 19th deadline. Without bipartisanship, we will not get anything done. And by embracing the hard right philosophy is a path to nowhere for not only the Republican Party, but for the House and the country.
1: That was Chuck Schumer, summering up, summarizing his 2023 and um, looking ahead to what is going to happen in the coming year. Remember Mike Johnson, the uh, Speaker of the House? Yeah, he still got that job. He did not get a budget passed, not a full-fledged budget. He did a stopgap measure. There are portions of the budget that are going to uh, run out in January. Um, Other portions are going to run out the beginning of February. There has been no supplemental aid package for Israel, no supplemental aid for Ukraine, and uh, no supplemental aid for Taiwan. What do you think? Do you think Mike Johnson is going to make it happen? Is he going to be the rainmaker we need? I don't have a lot of faith in him. I think he is. I think he's a real coward. You know, he may not have uh, actively campaigned to be the speaker, but I think he likes the gig. I think that's why there was no supplemental aid vote before they left for vacation. He could have asked members of Congress to stay an extra few days. All the members of Congress I spoke to were more than happy to stick around to vote on aid, especially for Ukraine. Um, But he decided, as he did with the budget, to take the easy way out to kind of kick the can down the road. So it's going to be a tumultuous January and February. Mike Johnson needs to do some things in a bipartisan manner. And yet that's exactly what got his predecessor kicked out of the office. And Mike Johnson does not strike me as a man who is going to put himself at risk in any way, shape or form. It is, I think, going to take a lot of public pressure to get the aid that we need for Israel and for Ukraine and for Taiwan. I think it's going to take a lot of public pressure. But you know what? We're just the kind of people who can bring it. Um, uh, By the way, I I do want to address uh, the one texter, uh, Todd, who um, felt that I went too long uh, talking to the uh, two conspiracy theory Trump trolls that called in earlier Todd, it wasn't because I didn't know who they were when I saw that I had a call from Max from North Carolina I knew what I was getting into Uh, he almost always espouses not a hundred percent of the time because a couple of times Max and I have actually surprised ourselves by finding something we can agree on and I guess I just always hope that'll be the case I know that these people are calling just to antagonize me. But I just keep thinking that maybe there will be some idea, some policy, some outlook, some humanity that we can find in one another and agree on. Sometimes I'm right. Not all the time. Not even most of the time. But hope springs eternal. I'm going to take a break. Be back with more after this.
0: Joan Esposito, live local and progressive on WCPT 820.
1: I want to thank everyone who is texting me with holiday wishes and um, you know, uh Tom who uh calls himself Tom from O'Hare, uh texted in something that I probably should be reminding you of more often. Uh, The shows on WCPT, my show, too, are available as podcasts. You can uh, get them wherever you get your podcasts. Um, You can also go to SoundCloud. And um, when you go to SoundCloud, put in WCPT as the search, and uh, all of our hosts should come up. And then you can, I think there might be a picture of me, you can find me. And if there's a specific show, like a lot of times people will text me and they'll say, oh, my God, that guy you had on earlier in the week, that guy you had on Monday was so great. Um, you can actually look up shows by the date and, of course, uh, the time. And once you say, like, so let's say there's a December 1st show that you heard something on and you'd really like to hear the discussion again because maybe you had to leave halfway through. Go to SoundCloud, go to the WCPT page, go to my show, and then look for the date, and then you can actually kind of zip through. If you know that, let's say I was interviewing somebody in the 4 o'clock hour, you can zip ahead to the 4 o'clock hour, and you can listen to that portion over again. So uh, we actually have a lot of people who don't listen to the show live, but listen to it In a sort of a podcast form, you know, I've been trying, you know, people recommend podcasts to me all the time and I try, I try, but I just can't, I I don't know if I will, if I'm going to listen to something, I think I'd rather listen to an audio book, um, But that's that's just me. And I'm old. And most of the young people I know are very are very into. They all have like their top five podcasts that they listen to. So I'm just telling you, if you're one of those folks, if you are one of those modern newfangled folks who listens to podcasts, know that um, our shows are available that way as well. Again, thank you for the texts that uh, keep coming in. I really, as Richard Chu said yesterday, you know, we really do appreciate our listeners. We really do appreciate you are, this group of listeners, people who listen to WCPT, you are bright, you are interested, you are interesting, and you are well-informed. I've learned from you so much, just like when George called in and, you know, was able to um, wax poetic about the agreements that Ukraine signed and the promises that Vladimir Putin made to Ukraine, which, of course, he violated by moving in on them and trying to take their land. You are the best. It is a gift for me to be here, and I appreciate it every day. Uh, You get to a certain age and you know that the wonderful things in your life sometimes can be time limited and sometimes you don't know when the time is up. But the five years, it has been five years. The five years I have been here doing the show have been some of the most interesting and fascinating and rewarding of my life, certainly of my professional life. This Station is a gift. It is a gift and it is a way for us to, to come together, to stay together, and to fight for the things we believe in. And as my good friend Richard Chu said, we obviously couldn't do this without you. And I want to say that I appreciate you. I don't take you for granted. And I hope you all... Have a wonderful, relaxing holiday, because when we get back to it, 2024 is going to try to kill us, but we're not going to let it. We are going to come together and we are going to make our local, state and national government reflect the people we are and the values we hold And the rights, we want to make sure everybody either continues to have or gets back. And we here at WCPT will be with you, I hope, every step of the way. So thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, I want to end on an up note. So, you know, in 1994, Mariah Carey recorded All I Want for Christmas is You a song that is has for nearly 30 years been everywhere absolutely everywhere here's here's a few seconds listen to this in case you forgot it Yeah, that was um, the song that um, has been haunting us for (laughs) nearly 30 years now. And uh, I'm not the only one who kind of wishes that maybe we could have a holiday season without it. There is a guy by the name of Stuart Reynolds. I believe he's Canadian. And he and his wife do all of these hilarious uh, comic videos and um, he, you can find him on social media. He, he goes by Brittle Star. Write it just how it sounds, Brittle Star. And you will find uh, a wealth of things. He's also written a book uh, that is going to be coming out soon. Called "Welcome to the Stupid Apocalypse," so that gives you some idea. Um, he and a good friend of his, Emma Rudy, made a music video about how they're so tired; they are incredibly tired of the Mariah Carey song, and they wish someone else would write a Christmas song. It's a it's a great song to listen to, and one of the lyrics that really got me, I think, is a really appropriate for us and the times we've been through. It's been a hell of a year, and we need you here. You know, I think that's going to be the motto in 2024 for CPT. It's been a hell of a year, and we need you here. But remember, the song is really coming together with people you love for the holidays and talking about how tired uh, they are about... Um, Uh, Sorry, my computer just had a mind of its own how uh, they're really tired of the Mariah Carey song and they wrote another Christmas song. And I shared a few seconds of it with you earlier today. Now I want to share with you the entire song again. Thank you for being such a loyal audience. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me for the last five years. And let's make 2024 the absolute best year ever. Now I'm going to leave you with another Christmas song.
5: Christmas songs that were so dear to me. But in 94, the world we knew would change. A single voice rang out just like the bells on Christmas Day. The first few years it brought us joy. As time went by it won a noise. So we'll raise a a glass glass to this inescapable tune. So let's put on another Christmas song Until you're home where you belong It's been a hell of a year And we need you here So put on another Christmas song It's been 20 years Closer to 30 the same old song, I mean it's good But can we sing something else Until you're here Sitting under the Christmas tree The only gift that I could want Is to have you here with me Damn, that song with its upbeat cheer It was right all along, I can see it clear All I want for Christmas is you So let's put on another Christmas song.